Swivel. Hey there, Bootstrap listeners. Scotty Allen here. We are on a production break over the holiday season. Resting, reflecting, rejuvenating. I hope that you are getting the opportunity to do the same. During this break, we are going to be bringing you what we're calling our summer series. If you are confused because you're listening from the Northern Hemisphere, December, January, and February are summer in Australia. Over these next three weeks, we're going to be bringing you six selected episodes from a previous podcast that we've produced about the founder journey called Starting Line. It's a different format. It is more of a narrative style. And we've chosen six episodes from that series that really unpack different examples of the Bootstrap founder journey, different industries, different experiences. If you like these episodes, you can find the Starting Line in its own feed. There are more that you can listen to, and we are going to be returning to Starting Line in a new series at some point in 2024. We would love your feedback. So we hope you enjoy. Again, we will be back on the 16th of January, 2024, with two new Bootstrap episodes per week, and we look forward to seeing you then. When I need a break from doom-scrolling Twitter or checking Facebook to find out who I need to mute conspiracy theories from today, my current social media happy space is TikTok. There are a lot of different communities on TikTok. It took some time, but I have trained the algorithm to mainly show me cute animals with the occasional crossover into witty musical parody and a dash of people falling over and screaming. I can't explain it. Sometimes, of course, you get shown a video that's not in your wheelhouse, and it's easy enough to swipe past them. But one day, I saw a TikTok of a woman in a small workshop cutting out dress patterns from beautiful fabric. And even though I personally don't wear dresses, and am generally considered someone who should not be trusted with scissors, I was fascinated. Not just by what she was doing, but by her story. And so I decided I had to find out more. From Swivel Media, I'm Scotty Allen, and this is Starting Line, the new founders podcast, where we talk to established and emerging founders, and we start from the beginning. for this episode is a perfect example of someone who didn't set out to be a founder or even start a business. She was just trying to solve a problem. My name is Lisa and I am the creator and founder of Curvature. Based in Adelaide, South Australia since 2019, and with only one staff member doing it all, the wonderful Lisa Reiner, Curvature is a slow fashion label for women who fit into the plus size demographic. The idea for Curvature was born while Lisa was working in a very different field. My background is in social work, community services space. I lived in Alice Springs for almost 10 years. 
and I worked in domestic violence and drug and alcohol sector, like in a drug and alcohol rehab. I worked in Aboriginal employment and in prisons up there and I, I kind of knew that that kind of work environment, like as in that social work space, wasn't long term and for a long time trying to work out what I was going to do once I'd, I'd finished doing that and I think having my daughter too, knowing that when she started going to school, school hours and full-time working hours, they don't correlate and whether that kind of was subconsciously but I kind of knew that I had to do something. As a woman who has always loved fashion but never been able to fit into what I wanted to wear, it just, I know this sounds really wanked out, but it just all happened organically by way of moving. I just kept thinking about what I wanted to do and this just became blindingly obvious to try and do something about something that I was so frustrated about. A successful business idea starts with the solution to a problem that other people agree is a problem and agree so much that they will pay you to solve it. Lisa was confident that she had a problem that fit this criteria, but she also knew all the things about starting a business that she didn't really know anything about, which was basically everything. I've read a lot of stuff about if you have an idea, if you've got this idea for a business, you should just go with it. But I didn't want to do that because I'd never had my own business before. So I just wanted to take my time and get it right. And so living in Alice Springs, you're in the middle well, it's the most remote place in the country. So I knew that I was really never going to be able to launch the business from there, considering that I needed such assistance as far as sourcing fabric or textile designs or finding people in the industry to help me draft patterns, all that kind of stuff. That is not in Alice Springs. Alice Springs is a desert town in Central Australia that sits almost equidistant from the top end in Darwin and South Australia's capital, Adelaide. It's considered the entrance to the nation's red centre, with Uluru, an Indigenous sacred site and controversially a popular tourism attraction, a several-hour drive to the east. Summertime in Alice can get a bit toasty, with days over 40 degrees Celsius common. That's 104 Fahrenheit for anyone still using the imperial system, which at last count was just Libya, Myanmar and the USA. I spent about three years researching how to do it. More so three years researching what kind of model I was going to do. Was I just going to look at getting wholesale things in and then selling them under my own label? So I spent months and months looking at wholesale options. They're all crap. I spent a really long time then looking and, and whether it was on Instagram and just seeing how other businesses were running and then realising that I always wanted to do plus size but I think I spent a lot of those three years just watching and observing and researching and just trying to figure out in my own time how I was going to do this on my terms and not rushing into anything the time Lisa spent researching and planning her business wasn't just about the mechanics of setting up shop. It was also about clearly articulating the values that would underpin whatever it was that she created. I think fashion has been so bastardized by fast fashion and 
it has, in a sense, lost its value. People just wear something once and then throw it out and people don't really understand what goes on in actually crafting a garment. And so I really just want to show what's involved in that so people can see there's so much that goes into it. But fast fashion has just destroyed everything. These big fashion retailers, whether that's bricks and mortar shops that sell t-shirts for $10 or online juggernauts that sell a dress for $12. If you're buying a t-shirt for $10, you know that somewhere along the, the line, somebody is being extremely exploited and essentially it's slaves making those clothes and yes it's but it's very hard it's very hard to not get caught up in it and that is why everything i wear is woven on a loom by my own hands and who am i kidding i buy 12 dollar t-shirts okay 12 dollars would be a lot for me to spend on a t-shirt anyway i'm totally part of the problem After completing a short business course while wrapping up her time in Alice Springs, Lisa and her family moved back home to Adelaide, South Australia, and Lisa started trying to find the right people to help her get started. It took a little while, but when she finally got a hit, she struck gold. It was really like word of mouth and Adelaide is a very small place and I think there's only about three or four degrees of separation. And so moving home and just asking around, asking people who know people and then I was put onto this amazing mentor whose background is like Italian couture who I started working with her. She's like this prodigy. She's got an Italian background and she studied in Italy and she worked in couture in Italy and she worked with a a woman here in Adelaide and just mastered her craft over years and years. So she's in like her early 60s and ever since she was a very young girl, she knew that's what she wanted to do. The first time I met her, I said, I I want to start plus size label. And she just rolled her eyes because I think she sees a lot of people who want to start their own label. And I'd often get that before I launched, I'd often get that kind of eye roll where I'd say, I really want to start my own business. I really want to start my own label. And they'd be like, oh, yeah. uh, So much so that I think in the end, I just didn't tell people what I was doing because you just... uh, was always met with that uh, that's that's never going to happen anyway so I started I started doing lessons with her and she started teaching me how to draft this very specific Italian way of like pattern drafting and I've worked with her like the whole three years that I've been home and often go to her for advice or her opinion on things because she's amazing I love this part of Lisa's story because it is a great example of something we don't do enough of, which is ask other people to share their stories with us. Someone who's passionate about what they do will usually take the time to talk about it with people who are genuinely interested. After all, if they really care about their craft, they want to see it continue past them. With a mentor on her side, Lisa came closer to formulating her business idea. It wasn't just about slow fashion plus size clothing. It was about making that clothing beautiful. Curvature is a print-based label. 
And what I mean by that is every garment I make has got a print on it, so not just like plain colours, so print or, or artwork. So in order to find that artwork to go on a dress, for example, so I would find an artist, but more they're called like a, a textile artist, someone who specifically designs artwork to go on textiles. We have loads of amazing textile artists in Australia. So you might draw something amazing or you might paint something amazing, but then what in order to turn that onto fabric, you've got this pattern, this image that's on metres and metres of fabric. So then what you need to do is have that artwork turned into what they call a repeat design, which means that the the pattern can be repeated so it's seamless when it's printed out onto fabric. So sometimes you might find an artist who has a beautiful artwork, like a one-off artwork on in whatever that could be oil, acrylic, drawing, whatever, and you may love that and I might approach them and say, is there any way that you could digitally turn this into a repeat? So it might be like X amount of dollars that you can use this artwork for for 12 months and you can have an exclusive licence or a non-exclusive licence. So that then meaning that if I wanted to buy these love hearts and use them for a month, I would pay a lesser amount than having a non-exclusive where I am completely buying that artwork outright and it is mine and nobody else can use it and that obviously comes at a higher price but the benefit of that is that it's mine and it can't be used by anyone else so there's a so to date most or all of them have been women and all of them have been Australian artists the fashion side was coming together but Lisa still had the actual selling things to people part to tackle there are certain things that I didn't know about and you don't know what you don't know. And so I really had to work out where I was going to invest money that I didn't have into things. So I spent quite a bit on having somebody do a one-on-one roadmap of marketing plan for me. And it's this like amazing detailed strategy. And I remember her saying to me, when you launch no one will probably buy from you for a couple of weeks. Like you're a brand new business. You need to build trust. It just, I don't want you to have this expectation that as soon as you open the virtual doors that you're going to be flooded with orders. And I think part of me did think that part of me thought, Oh no, surely, surely someone will buy something. No, they didn't. It took it took about a week or so. So that was ate, ate some humble pie there. One thing that many founders will tell you is that they invested too much in marketing too soon and didn't see a return on their investment. But Lisa is the exception to the rule. For her, that definitely wasn't the case. It was absolutely money well spent because she was the one who really said to me, you cannot be a faceless brand if you want to have this brand and build this business and one day be doing it full time. You have to show your face. You have to engage with people and that was the biggest takeaway for me and it's so true. So that was worth every cent. 
because I didn't know anything about marketing. I didn't know anything about Instagram or algorithms or hashtags or how any of that works. And why would I? Because I'd only ever been a consumer. So that was invaluable. So a design mentor and beautiful designs, check. A marketing guru and a clear marketing strategy, check. How about an e-commerce and web design service that delivers value for money and... (laughs) Okay, I can't keep a straight face. Obviously that didn't happen. I had no experience with e-commerce or any commerce before. I ended up going with Shopify because it seemed like that was the... Probably the most user-friendly platform for e-commerce had absolutely no idea what I was doing and it just seemed very, very overwhelming and I was looking on Fiverr. I was going to pay somebody to just fulfil my whole website. I was looking at outsourcing it and then just realised this is bullshit. I actually need to work out how to do this myself. So I watched loads and loads of YouTube tutorials and ended up just teaching myself how to do it. Once I got the hang of it, it actually wasn't that hard. It's so user-friendly. But I just, it's just one of those things, I think, that you just need to work out how to do it. I launched the business in, it's almost two years. So it was October 2019. And I had put lots of money into getting a photographer and getting my makeup done and getting my hair done. And because I'm a print-based label and I license artwork off textile artists and then get that artwork printed onto fabric and then I turn that fabric into clothing. So I I had three prints which I was unsure which one to, to go with, but once I'd settled on that, I had this kind of big build up to a a launch like big build up with 100 people 100 followers um, but just trying to create some kind of hype and and then i was open it it probably took me about a week to actually sell anything and that customer who bought my very first thing, we like ended up becoming friends and we message each other a lot. But so that, that was amazing like that. Oh my God, somebody wants to buy something. When you're setting up in e-commerce, it's very hard to resist the temptation to launch with a scattershot of items because you're not exactly sure what people will buy and you really just want them to buy something. But Lisa did resist this. Her go-to-market strategy was well-planned and showed a lot of restraint. I only did one sleeve dress for a, a one style dress for a very long time. And it was a short sleeve dress by this Australian artist with a black background and kind of colored shapes, like abstract shapes on top of it. That was the very first thing that sold. And then I just slowly started to release another print but the same style dress and then another print, but the same style dress. And then over time there was a lot more interest and then I extended my size range and then 
extended by size range again like it's just I don't have this concrete plan as to how things are going to go and I try to do like a three-month strategy or even to plan a month in advance I just don't work like that I'm just very fluid it's how I feel that week that's that's the best I can do Working with her marketing plan, Lisa started developing her social media presence and trying to work out what content worked for what platform. So I've always really focused myself on Instagram and then Instagram just feeding into my Facebook. Like I don't make separate content for Facebook. And I find that, so as far as marketing goes for me, what that is, is like content creating content and I find that the best the best thing that I can do is just show up every day and I don't have a polished um, shiny highlights reel I am showing what I am doing day to day no makeup hair's a mess I'll be lucky to have a bra on do you know what I mean I'm just showing you this is the reality of what my life is and what goes on um, involved in running this business and I think what I really try and show a lot of is behind the scenes. This is what's involved in making a pattern and getting a, this is what's involved in getting a dress drafted and made and then getting it graded and from go to woe pretty much because I just feel like you don't really see that. Now, I mentioned that I discovered Curvature on TikTok. While Lisa was a massive fan of that platform, she wasn't immediately convinced that she could create content for it. But when she took the leap, it paid off. I just felt like the content I was creating for Instagram didn't really translate or work well on TikTok. But then the more I'm consuming TikTok, I'm seeing other small businesses and the the content they're creating. I guess maybe I just had a mind mindset change as well. And then I just started posting a few uh, just like stills, like still pictures collated. And then, I don't know, recently I've just had a few people say to me, like in person, you need to get on this. And so I just like sometimes I'll do like on um, Instagram, like I'll just put up like a time lapse of me cutting things out. This one particular video that I put up, I posted it on a Thursday, nothing really happened. But then on Sunday, I just noticed it started getting more and more views and then it was like 5,000, 10,000, 15,000, 20,000, 30,000, just kept getting more and more 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 and more views and then I a lot of people like really local Adelaide and I don't really feel like I'd had that kind of like on Instagram I feel like a lot of people who follow me on the eastern seaboard and I haven't had a lot of local people but when I went on TikTok there were like that was an overwhelming that that was really overwhelming so many people like I'm from Adelaide too and I've never heard of you and I got quite a few emails with that same that same line of, oh, my God, I didn't know that you even existed. You make to order. Oh, my God, you go up to a size 30. This is amazing. 
sales and social media engagement started to give Lisa confidence that she was on the right track. And then came the kind of feedback anyone who sells a product or service dreams about. I had one woman email me and say, I've been looking for something like this for ages. I can never get anything to fit me. Just trying to gauge what what I had in stock. And then so she ended up buying a few dresses off me and said, I am actually literally crying because I've never been able to find things that I like in sizes that will fit me. And those kind of messages, that is why I have this business. It's that that motivates me to keep going. Not that I'm unmotivated, but when I get messages like that from women who say, I've never had anything fit me like this. Oh, my God, I can finally wear things that I love, not just like a moo-moo for things in my size. That is everything. And so that was some of the feedback in the comments as well. It It was overwhelming. As curvature's range and Lisa's confidence grew, so did her ability to cater for different types of sizing requirements and the scope of what curvature's inclusive sizing really meant. So it was always my, the very seed of the idea was always just plus size because I myself had been excluded from fashion for my whole life and I know so many other women are like that and so I just wanted to do something that was just for us. And and also by just focusing on size 14 to to 24 like it was only like you know a handful of sizes that I could launch the business with and and that worked really well for me by way of like starting small with just a handful of sizes but then as the business kind of grew and there became a bit more awareness about it like I would have people messaging saying can you go smaller or can you go bigger and and also the other thing started to come up was my arms are bigger than the measurement on say your size 22 or I'm really tall because I'm short I'm really tall is there any way that you could make this dress longer can you add 10 centimeters or 15 or whatever and so just that feedback that I was getting I I just kind of rolled with it and started doing a lot more customizations and there was a lot more people asking for sizes outside of what I had and so I just realized that I needed to cater for what people were asking me and so I also reflected so I knew that I needed to go up further in the sizes so that was an easy decision for me to then go up to size 28 30 that was you know obviously a no-brainer I I just realized that if I'm going to exclude other women who are in smaller bodies from what I'm making, that's the same shit that us plus size women have been dealing with. It's the same behavior. It's excluding people. And I didn't want to be that. I don't want to do that. So then I just decided to open it and go from six to 30. And to be honest, I don't sell a lot of smaller sizes. Like my sweet spot is definitely in that size 14 to to 30 bracket, but it's about being inclusive, like to be truly inclusive, which is what I think all fashion should be. I had to, I had to open it to everybody. 
Curvature is currently a one-woman show. Lisa is managing all sales and marketing, all product development, cutting out every garment herself. She has a small bank of contract seamstresses that do the assembly, but no one on site with her or in the team, as it were. And that has been a big adjustment. I'm so used to working in teams, like my whole professional life I've worked in in teams and to go from that to working by myself, like it can be really, really lonely and I found that really hard and not having somebody to bounce ideas off of and get feedback or opinions. So that's why I will, like on my socials, like on Instagram especially, I often I'll have an idea and I'll put that out to to people and just say, what do you reckon? Would you prefer this or would you prefer that? And that in itself is really good, but I do, I do really miss not having colleagues. It's really hard. It's lonely. The other challenge for Lisa is running a business as a mum of a young daughter. It's hard work. It is such hard work running your own business and I find it impossible to find that balance or like I would love, like I live two second walk from the beach. I would love to be able to drop my daughter off at school every morning and go for a 30 minute walk along the beach but I don't have that luxury because I only have a very small window of time when she is at school for for me to get work done and before I have to go and pick her up. And then when I pick her up from school, it's that we're on the afternoon shift. We're doing her, she's five, so she's learning how to read and then we're doing that whole afternoon shift of getting dinner ready and my partner's home from work. So, And then by the time she goes back to bed, then I start work sometimes, if I've got the energy, at 7 seven thirty, eight o'clock at night. So it's it's hard work. Like I said, I left my full time job nine till five to work twenty four hours, seven days a week. So what does the future hold for curvature? The range and options will continue to develop and while Lisa is always trying new things, something she doesn't intend to change is her commitment to slow fashion. I've been going back and forth since the beginning of the year whether to have more ready-made items or just keep with made-to-order and I had decided like a couple of months ago, no, that's it, I'm going to move to ready-made and because so much of my time is taken taken up cutting out orders and so I thought if I could try and remove some of that then that would give me more time to to design other garments but I feel so I was going with that I decided this is what I'm doing but then I've had a real change of heart on that because I think it's that fast fashion mentality and it's really hard as a consumer not to get caught up in it, but it's also really hard as a business owner not to get caught up in that too, in that, well, there should be, people should be able to buy something and have it sent out the next day. That's what people want. So I have to provide people with what they want, but I don't actually want to do that. And people will wait. I am 
I am constantly amazed that because the turnaround on my things is like four weeks minimum by the time you place your order and by the time you receive it because I cut everything to hand and then I've got staff who will sew it up and but people will wait for something that is made for them and is of quality and so that's been a a lesson to me like fast fashion is so insidious and I don't want to go down that road and I'm about like 97% sure that I'm not going to do that and I'm just going to be made to order. A huge thanks to Lisa Reiner for sharing her fantastic story with us. You can learn more about Lisa Reiner and Curvature Clothing at curvatureclothing.com.au and find Curvature Clothing on Instagram, Facebook, and of course, TikTok. Starting Line is a production of Swivel Media. It's produced by Phoebe Zakowski-Wallace and me, Scotty Ellen. Our consulting producer is Amanda Reedy. This episode was mixed by Rob Clark with assistance from David Lauritsen. Original music by Ash Janif. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It helps other people find our show. To find out more about Swivel, our services, and other shows, visit swivelmedia.com. That's Swivel with an O. Or find us on social media. And we'll see you there.